you know, kids tell me all the time, like, it's the same thing every day where they're like, Mike, I want to do this. And I'm always like, all right, sick. Like, what have you done in like the last 24 hours, the last 48 hours that has helped you like go down that path? And for the most part, the answer is nothing. Hello everybody and welcome to Mentors. Today we have on Mike Smith, founder of The Bay, Skate for Change, Find Your Grind, and author of Legacy vs. Likes. He does so much more than that too. Guys, we're going to be talking about things like purpose, passion, leadership, and changing oneself. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. And so it's kind of just a pack up and leave day, so it's no big deal. We're totally yeah. cool. Yeah, you're on a tour. Tell me about that. Um, So we are, I basically am getting to tour across the country this year. It's called the Jostens Renaissance Find Your Grind Tour. And basically I get to travel to locations and they bus kids in from all across the state or a city or a region. Um, and I basically host an event where I talk a lot about what it takes to kind of find your grind and find the thing that you love to do and how you use that to make an impact in your school, your community and wherever else you end up in life. And so it's a lot about leadership. It's a lot about self-awareness um, and just kind of like figuring out what you are and how to use that to make a difference. And so it's fun. It's really rad. It's a cool thing. Yeah. And how do you, how do you do that for kids, especially? Cause I know a lot of kids here in the innovation class, some of them come in and they go, what do you love? What do you love to do? What are you passionate about? And they go, I don't know. I never know. So how do you work through that process with kids? I think the important thing is recognizing that if you don't know, then you, your life should be an adventure. And that's what I tell everyone is if you don't know what you love, if you don't know what you're stoked on, you're not going to find it by hanging out with the same group of people every Friday and Saturday night, or just mm -hmm. like spending all your time on Snapchat, paying attention to other people's lives. And so I sort of break it down into easy, easy little parts where I say, you're kind of doing one of three things. You're either consuming other people's time, you're critiquing other people's time, or you're creating your own things. And so you critique, you consume, or you create, you're really doing one of those three. And a lot of folks spend a lot of their time just consuming other people's lives. And I'm sure you know what I mean by that. Just like the amount of hours people spend just wasted on their phone, looking at other people's worlds. I know. And so I love that. And I think that when you stop creating, like, I think that at some point people kind of find their thing and then they stop. And that's when you start critiquing and you kind of start looking at like the world is against you or you can't do something or because someone did something or do you know how many people tell me like, oh, I had that idea and someone else did it or I always wanted to do this, but I can't because they are. And so you get really critical people out there too. And so I kind of say you're doing one of three things, consuming, critiquing, and creating. And a lot of kids just consume. Oh yeah, dude, every, I mean, it's pretty often that uh, even well, you know, just every day, like they want to go on Twitter, they want to go on Instagram, they just want to watch social media, they want to watch YouTube videos, which for like some parts I don't have a problem with, right? It's not, it's not bad until it gets like constant and you're not doing anything. Same with critiquing, but the difference is I find critiquing to be more like uh, an excuse. Like when you said that the kid, oh, I had this idea, but someone else took it, or I was doing something, but then, you know, you start looking at the world. That's just an excuse of not doing anything. Now you're just yeah. thinking the world's against you and that's a horrible mindset to have. It's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think a lot of times, you know, kids tell me all the time, like it's the same thing every day where they're like, Mike, I want to do this. And I'm always like, all right, sick. Like what have you done in like the last 24 hours, the last 48 hours that has helped you like go down that path. And for the most part, the answer is nothing. And so you can kind of audit your time and it's really simple. I have people do this all the time. If you bust out your phone, and you just look at the settings on your phone. Do you have yourself? Do you have your phone on you? I do not. My parents were like, "Hey, we're gonna make your life healthier. We're gonna take your phone away." I was like, "Great." 
Nice, nice. Yeah, but most, if, if anybody listening to this, I'll tell you a quick little like test you can do for how bad you want it, but is you just go to your phone, click on your settings button, and in your settings button, there's a battery function. You click on that battery, it takes a second to load, and you can literally look at the percentage of time you spend on what app, and then you can click a little clock button, and it'll show you how many hours you've spent in the last day or in the last week on what apps. And it is crazy when kids click on their settings battery function and they see that they've spent like 10 hours a week on Netflix or 20 hours a week on Snapchat. And you realize like you've wasted entire work days just watching content. And it's like, you can watch content, but it should inspire you to go create. And so if you, you know what I mean? Like if you're watching YouTube because you're trying to learn how to fix a motorcycle and you are like learning how to like recarb an engine or do whatever, like you're learning how to do those things. Like obviously it makes sense, but a oh, lot yeah. of people, watch a ton of content and then they just click next video or delete and watch next episode. And a lot of people just like, you just kind of get sucked into like the content juggernaut and it doesn't equal creating. And so it's really easy for you to audit your own time. I, I totally get that. And you know, and I won't, I'll admit, even I fall into this trap. So like I get on the computer, I'm like, okay, I'm totally going to work. I'm going to learn these things. This is going to be great. But then I find this really funny video and, <laughs> and you just want to watch that. But it's, it's, oh my gosh, yeah, and like all the stupid Vine compilations, try not to laugh. I, yeah. I love this so much, but yeah, I can't, I can't do that. I want to, like, you know, you're supposed to learn, especially at this young of age, because not only is like, you know, learning essential, but that's lifelong learning, right? It's right. learning skills now. Like more and more often I've seen kids just kind of go, oh, screw school. I'm going to stop working on school. And I'm going to learn my own things my own way. And spending your time doing that is just so much more precious. Even with, I don't, even when you don't have to have a passion, I feel like being curious, like I, even like quoting your book, even you said like, if you don't have a passion, your passion should be finding your passion. Yeah. And I thought that was wonderful. So that, and part of that's what I've been doing almost. I mean, I like things, but I haven't found that like a deep rooted passion yet, but I'm starting to really like this or like really liking have conversations with cool people. So, but it's always staying curious and always learning the things because the more things I can learn, the more things I can steal, steal from uh, and become creative. Yeah. And, and I think that it's really important for people to recognize thing. It changes, it changes a ton. And mine, mine has gone in seasons and I don't think enough adults talked to kids about this, but like it will change and it will absolutely be seasons where in, you know, in high school and college, I was obsessed with, um, I was obsessed with basketball. And so I, I love, I love basketball. Wait, hold on. I got to plug my phone in. I'm going to die. My battery's going to die. Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I got you. Um, cool. No, but so in, in high school, in high school and in college, like I was obsessed with basketball. Like I loved it. I loved to play. I love the game. You know, when I was a kid, I love to skate and then I was a social worker. I love doing social work. And now, you know, now I kind of feel like I fall more into this like entrepreneur bucket where I get to create a lot of really rad things. And so I've kind of fallen in love with just like creating companies and nonprofits and, and like hiring my staff and like your passions change and that's totally okay. But it's, it's really all about the time you spent invested in those things. And so recognizing that they change is, is crucial. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. I mean, they miss out on the fact that it can change and it's totally cool. I think, well, I've been currently reading this book called Man's Search for Meaning and this guy, Viktor Frankl, he's talking about um, how meaning of someone's life, you have this potential meaning or this current meaning and like 
it's not one set thing for all of life. Like you have a purpose right now and you'll have a purpose later, which I feel like is the same thing for passions. Like you're talking about right now, this is your passion, but you can totally move on and do something else. I feel like if you stay for one thing, you're not going to learn as much as jumping around and going through the things that in life experience is just crazy. Yeah. And I think it's different for everyone, you know, and I can't imagine cause I didn't do this, but like the second you have a kid, like the conversation changes, you know, like I'm sure your parents and your dad had like all this stuff that he loved to do in the minute you came along, it was like he had a different, a different thing, you know, it's like, that's just recognizing that it's totally okay for it to change. Um, but if you don't have one, man, life should be a journey and you should be figuring it out. It's so funny that you bring that up about the kids. Cause like I was the first child. So right when I was born, they're like, Oh, we can't travel anymore. But no, like, I think that's, I feel like that's a really cool, I feel like it's a really cool adventure, especially some of the stories. Cause I read your book and I loved it actually. I, I find it incredible. It really helped me. If I want to dive into a little bit of a personal story, at the very end of your book, I was outside, you know, like roundabouts. Yeah. So I was like in the middle of this roundabout, sitting in like this just circle of green, of greenery, and it's cold out. <laughs> and I flip to the last page and I read the last page and they hit and it hits me so hard, your message, that for a split second, everything shifts into a weird focus. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but like reality becomes tangible. I was like, whoa. And then I'm just, then I, and then I feel fulfilled with this purpose and this meaning and this drive. And so I'm walking home, just thinking about what I'm going to be doing. And later on, like this podcast was born because uh, I, cause you're, thank you. Cause your message resonated with me so much. And I was like, you know, I, you know, I want to help out any way I can too. That's why it's called mentors. And that's why I have, yeah. I'm having you on. Oh, no, that means a ton. That's really cool. Well, thank you. That like, that makes me stoked. Like I, my whole hope for the book was that it would inspire kids to take some risks and just to go for it. You know, and if you look at like the self-help section, it's like, there's a million books for people your dad's age that are like, yeah. go figure, like, are you, you know, you don't, you're at the, you got 20 years left, like go figure it out or 50 years left, like go figure it out. And like, I would look at eight, you know, 18 year olds. And I'm like, you got your life left, like go kill it and love it and have a ton of fun and help people along the way. And so I'm stoked that I'm really stoked that the book meant a lot to you. And that means a lot to me. Thank, yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for writing it. Actually, one of the stories that I, two, there's two stories that like resonated with me so much. It was um, the one about the basketball, the basketball player, he wasn't that good, but he could do, I'm sorry, I'm not a big fan on basketball, but he could do this one action very well. And because you complimented on that and helped him with that, he he became amazing at it. And then your story, which you've also built up, is um, giving out socks to homeless people. For the audience, can you please tell those two stories real fast? Yeah, totally. And so the, the I guess the quick the quick version of the it's called a screen, but was uh, you know we we needed some guys to play basketball on my college team because we lost players, and so we had to ask other players to go out. And this one kid came out for the team, and he wasn't great. Um, but he could set a screen and basically setting a screen means you stand there without moving. And so it's really not that hard. You just stand there and people run into you and there's a little bit of a science to it, but he, he did it. And I, I, it was kind of this first time I learned what leadership was about. And I always talk about how leaders celebrate others and influencers celebrate themselves. And this kid set a screen, which isn't never shows up in a stat sheet. It's not something that ends up like, you know, people don't talk about that's why we want to game, but we just, I just started celebrating him 
every time he would set a really good screen or lay someone out or do whatever. And he went on to be like literally the greatest screen setter of all time. And it was like this skill set that he had and he won games for us because of it. And so we celebrated the heck out of that. And it was cool for me, like at our, at our, you know, we made it really far and got to play in a bunch of games that, you know, our university had never been at. And I kind of celebrated him for it and said like, we're only here because you did the thing you knew how to do. And that's why we got here. And so it, it taught me a lot about when I build teams or when I'm on one, to be the guy that notices the little things in people. You notice the way that someone compliments another person, or you notice the way that someone showed up early for work, or you notice the way that someone listened or diffused a, a you know, an argument or, you know, wasn't divisive or whatever. And so complimenting the little things in people, I think goes a really long way, but that's what leadership is. Leaders are celebrating others. Um, and socks really was in college. I got taken to where a bridge was and I saw home kind of homelessness for the first time. And I had a conversation with a homeless person and just started asking them what they needed. And his response was socks, which was surprising to me. And then he showed me his feet and basically explained how, you know, homeless people, socks are the most requested, but least donated thing in a homeless shelter. And because they can't get new socks, they end up wearing the same pair over and over. And if you live in a place where it rains or it gets snowy, you know what it's like to step in a puddle or to have wet socks and shoes. It take and it takes like days for that to, for like, your socks to dry or your shoes to dry. And if they don't have new socks and shoes, you're stuck. And so they end up wearing the same pair over and over and over. And so if you get rained on or snowed on, and so basically, you know, homeless people, a lot of homeless folks, especially in the urban cities and stuff like they just get, they get their feet just get destroyed and dominated. And so we just wanted to start making like socks. And I had no idea it was going to grow into this thing called skate for change which is now just this program that happens all around the world where kids literally skate like all over the planet, giving out socks and beanies and bottles of water and just trying to help homeless in their community. And it really all started from the simple place of if homeless people need socks, then I just wanted to be like the, the, the Robin Hood of socks, if you will. And so we've just kind of come up with a lot of socks. And, and, I, and I honestly love that story because it teaches so much about character. And you know, when you were talking about what makes a leader and what makes an influencer, you said influencers, um, they focus on themselves. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of influencers out there. And I feel like there's a lot of influencers in, in kids because right now we go, if I want to be famous, if I want to be popular, I'm going to focus on how many likes I get. I'm going to focus on how many tweets I get. I'm going to focus on how, like, on all these you know views and comments. Right. And all that self-centeredness is going to create well, a lot of unhappiness and it's not going to get you very far in life. Or it will, but it's unfulfilling. So how do you turn influencers into leaders? I think it's the stuff you do when no one's paying attention. You know, if you, if you, if you study an influencer's life and you study what they are, if, if you stop following all of like the Insta famous kids or the Vine famous kids, rest in peace, or all the you know, <laughs> millions of subscribers on YouTube, if you stop following them, do they stop doing the thing that got them famous? Absolutely they do. For the most part, a lot of those kids wouldn't do the things that they're doing if they didn't have a following. And so, and it's not bad to have a following. I have a following. You know what I mean? Like I have a, I have a, in, in percentages go, like I have an insane following and I have a lot of people around the world who pay attention to what I do, but whether Instagram exists or not, my work would never stop. Like I would never stop creating a warehouse for at-risk youth to skate. Instagram has nothing to do with that. I could speak to kids literally all day, every day for the rest of my life. And that has nothing to do with Instagram or Twitter or YouTube. And so a lot of young people, you can use those things to create and it's awesome. And you can create a job online. You're, you can podcast and make money. Like what we're doing right now is the really rad thing, but it, it's the, if the followers become the reason you do it, 
you've lost, like you've missed out on the mission of something. And so if you're just chasing followers and you're not chasing something bigger, eventually it becomes this really either irrelevant thing because the platform gets irrelevant. Like look at Vine. Vine was a great example. Like all those Vine kids had to work really, really hard to make their followers jump over to Instagram. You know what I mean? And you saw it where it was like, they all had to like take their whole platform and say, okay, like you followed me here. Now you've got to follow me here. And if, if VR comes along or if AR comes along and all of a sudden, like we're wearing goggles and we could care less about some 2d platform where we're just scrolling and looking at photos, like everyone's going to have to try to get their following to jump from this side to this side. And I think the hard part is, does an NBA player need a Twitter account to be the best player in the NBA? Absolutely not. Do they also have millions of followers? Absolutely. People should follow you because of the incredible stuff that you do and the talents that you have. And it's just unfortunate that a lot of young people focus on followers instead of focus on a craft. And so I say this a lot is like, if you're an incredible leader, like if you lead in an incredible way, are you an influential person? Of course you are. You're influencing to the core, like absolutely to the core of what someone is. If you're an influencer, are you a leader? Rarely. Like you're rarely leading anybody anywhere except for to your, you know, to when you go live on Instagram. And so you have to like, look at the, what you're chasing. And so some people like, I'm not going to say don't, if you're going to, and I even said, I even said at the start of the book, like, I'm not here to trash digi stars and people with millions of followers. Some of those people are my friends, but I am here to challenge everyone to do better. Some of the coolest reviews I've gotten on the book have been from my friends who have millions of followers where they're like, I know you wrote this for kids, but you made me feel like I need to do better with my platform. And that's the point, you know, and like the point was to challenge everyone. Cause we, I think we all got sucked into this, like, oh shit, it's really easy to get, you know, 10,000 views on something or, you know, it's, it's, what's crazy is, is I have friends that are like, oh man, like I only get like 5,000 views on a video. And I'm like, bro, that's like five, do you know, if you put 5,000 people into a gym and had to talk to them or had to like share a story with them or a moment with them, that'd be a massive crowd. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like people get so, I think that the, some of the like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it becomes this weird, unrealistic thing where if it's like, it doesn't hit a million or something, you're just like, you think it wasn't successful. Yeah. And I guess I just never, never look at it that way. Like I look at it, like I created a little YouTube channel, um, like way late, way too late. And you know, it was like, everybody was like, you need to create this when you started. And I didn't create it because I wanted people to like subscribe to it and then like follow my next one. I created it because I wanted people to sort of see what I do every day and see what my life looks like, like from when I wake up to when I go to bed. And I wasn't creating it for the people who followed me. I was honestly creating it for the people who, if you ever searched Mike Smith and shift, sifted through the millions of us that are out there, but yeah. if you ever <laughs> searched Mike Smith and you stumbled on these videos and you were like, well, doesn't he just speak to kids? I wanted people to be able to see all the other things that I do as well. Um, so people can see like what it looks like when I throw an event, what it looks like when I'm skating around giving out socks, what it looks like when I'm flying to another country to speak, you know, what it looks like when we host some sort of an outreach event or whatever it was. Like I wanted people to be able to see it. And I never, I was never really caught up in the like, if this gets millions of views tight, if this gets thousands of views, awesome. Some of the best stuff I've ever created only has like a couple thousand views and that's totally fine. Like I don't create it for views. I create it for the goal of like, if someone's interested in doing what I'm doing, I can show them how, and I can show them the roadmap. And I think people make a mistake too sometimes. And there's a lot, of, listen, there are a lot of people out there who 
pay influencers and paid digital stars and people who are telling you guys like, you know, blow up online. Like, you know, like there's a lot of people that say that and they're not wrong. That's totally fine. But for me, I always tell people there's a difference between a ton of followers and the right followers. Yes. That's exactly what I was about to bring up. Go keep going, keep going. So I'm way more interested. I tell people all the time, like I would way, way rather have the right kind of people following my accounts than just a bunch of people following my account. And listen, I could, I could bait it. I could totally bait my social media and I've had, you know, agents and, you know, people that are, you know, people who, who are a part of my business development, you know, team and people who help me a lot, tell me all the time, like, oh man, if I just posted more photos of like, you know, me and my wife or me, like without my shirt on surfing. And like, people tell me all the time, like, there's like a lot of things that I could post that could drive the likes and drive the users and drive like that, you know, that whole thing. And it's like, I don't need that. And I don't want that. Like, I don't need to post a bunch of pictures of me, like me and my super tatted friends, like shirtless at, you know, like staged at a skate park somewhere. Like, I don't need that kind of content. And the world doesn't need any more of that either. You know what I mean? And so like me posting a photo looking rad isn't really that important to me. Me posting a photo of like, a super rad moment I shared on stage with 2000 kids. I'd way rather do that. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. Because all of that, um, you know, the common things that would bait and would bait your, uh, Twitter, Instagram that helps you, that helps you get random people, but it's not, it's not quality content. It's, it's one, not a part of your mission and it's not a part of who, who the people who really care. I feel like if you're going to bait anyone, bait the people who care about your cause or who care about you or like who, who genuinely want to help you, you know, and I, and I fell into that too, because when I was reading your book at the very beginning, it was talking about influencers and leaders. And you're like, what do you spend your time doing? Are you actually creating things? Are you going out out of your way to help your community better it? Or are you like thinking about your next tweet or how you're going to get more followers and how you're going to build more of a platform? And I was like, I was like Oh, <laughs> you got me there. And actually, if I may compliment your book again, I, what I loved was your your questions at the end of the chapters. Those are very, very helpful. I enjoyed those, especially the ones at the end. They hit me hard. I loved it. That means a lot. And like a big part of it for me was I don't, you know, people are always like, oh, he's a motivational speaker. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'm like a motivational speaker. You know, I don't, I, I think if I bring anything to, um, to the stage or on a page, I guess now as an author, I, I, uh, I think for me, it's like, I don't want to motivate anyone. I want to inspire people to look at themselves a little bit more and maybe become a little either more self-aware, but I just want to give perspective, you know? And so when I ask a question, like sometimes you can, it's all in the questions that you ask. And so if I ask a question, like who, you know, when someone becomes super successful around you, first response, is it to get jealous and bitter because they, they got recognition you didn't, or is it to celebrate them for the incredible thing that they did? And like the way you respond says a lot about who you are and where your intent is. And like, what do you spend more time thinking about? Like how you impact other people's lives or how other people impact yours, you know? And it's like, whichever one of those you fuel or whichever one of those you feed is ultimately gonna grow into something. And a lot of people spend most of their time thinking about how other people affect them or if I do this, how's it going to affect me? And I think true leaders spend more of their time wondering if I make this decision how does this affect everyone around me? And is it a positive thing? One of my favorite kind of chapters is the, the little vignette where I talk about add, subtract, multiply, and divide. I just think that's such a powerful way for people to look at it, but there's two ways to approach it. You can approach it by odd, you know, I say people are in your life for four reasons, to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. 
you can look at it and say, are people adding or multiplying to my world and helping it grow and helping it become more meaningful and more impactful? Or are they subtracting and dividing and taking away from it? And you can use it to audit your friend circle. And that's one approach to it, which is a really smart thing that any kid I recommend you do. If someone is taking away from you or dividing your world, like spend as little time with them as humanly possible or no time with them at all. But the other way that I look at it is, which one of those four am I doing for the people around me? And that's the way leaders interpret that is they look at it and go, am I adding or multiplying to other people's lives or am I subtracting or taking away? And it's interesting the minute you stop focusing just on your friend circle and you start focusing on which one of those four things you do. And I'll break it down because I think sometimes people don't get it. There's a huge difference between adding to someone's life and multiplying to someone's life. A great example is this, this podcast we're on right now. Like, I've got a following and I've got, you know, a, a base of a community base. It's across the world. And if, if I start tweeting about you and I start saying, oh my God, go follow her or pay attention to what she's doing. Hey, you know, like hitting up every advisor and teacher I know and says, you need to have your students listen to this student led podcast. Like that's not adding to your life. That's multiplying. That's like exponentially helping you grow in a way that's really huge. There are business leaders out there that if Elon Musk decides to start becoming a person who pays attention to what I'm doing, he can literally multiply to my world, right? But a lot of times students, you guys can really just kind of add, like you can add to someone else's life, they can add to your life. You guys aren't really in this position in life where you can help them just exponentially explode just because of the season of life that you're in. And so adults have an opportunity to add and multiply often to a young person's life. And it's the same way with being divisive. If you send a bad tweet about me and we're like, you know, Mike was on my podcast, like, that guy sucks or whatever, like it, it would get to your following. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if it's a negative tweet about you, that has a chance to have a massive, like there is a different response that can happen because people that have never, you know, people far outreaching have an opportunity to say things or have a perception of you. And so there is a way that you can, you know, and you can, you can, it's all in perspective too. There's that senior girl at your school who's the most influential kid in school and she has the opportunity to really make a difference in someone's life in a different way because she has a bigger platform. So we all have a platform. It's all in how we choose to see it and use it. But I truly believe the best leaders are adding and multiplying to their staff, their community, the people around them, and ultimately the world. And I think some of the the, the things we're seeing today are a lot of people who just want the followers, want the fame, want the stardom, want the fans. And I, you'll, you don't, and I talk about this all the time too. I tell people, I don't have fans. Like people will be like, oh, I, I read your book or oh, I've been, I watch your show or oh, I do this. And like, I'm a huge fan. And I tell people all the time, I don't have fans. I have friends and I have family. So you can be one of those two things. And that's literally your, those are your two options. And so I'm not interested in a fan base. I got a lot of friends around the world that I've shared a stage with or I've shared a, a Skype call or a podcast with. And so, or a, you know, a video in their classroom, but like, I don't have fans. I got friends and family. And so, it's kind of the way that I look at it. And so I don't think that, yeah, I think this quest for fans and followers um, has cheapened the work that a lot of people do because they do it to get a retweet or they do it to get a like. But at the end of the day, um, I want to build something meaningful and I want to build something way more meaningful than my profile. Yeah. And when you say fans and followers, that makes it sound like uh, comparative to family and friends that, that almost sounds like you're not dehumanizing fans and followers, but they're, they're just something to gain and acquire. Whereas yeah. friends and family are people you know, people you love, people you want to help succeed. Yep. And that's much more of a genuine connection than going, oh, they're my fans. Oh, they're my followers. I'm going to let them stay there as I you know, build, keep building my platform on them and 
go up. Yeah, I, I walked into, um, a, there was a town I'd been to a couple of years ago and I walked in and the host of this restaurant that I was eating at, she had graduated from the high school and she was like, oh, she was there working and going to college and she was like, oh my God, she's like, I follow you on Twitter. Like, I'm such a huge fan. And I stopped her and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I don't have fans. I gave her a giant hug and I was like, but I got a lot of friends and I just, I was like, what's your name? And she told me her name and I was like, well, it's great to meet you. And I was like, thanks for being a friend. And I was like, I hope, you know, you. I hope you're inspired by the stuff that I talk about and I hope you continue to be super successful and happy. But like, I just, I don't want fans. I want friends and I don't want a following. I want a community, you know? And I look at it like I got a community of people who I hope can take what they love and use it to go start their own podcast and do whatever they're stoked on. And so, yeah, I got, I got friends and family, not fans and followers. I think that's, I think that's a beautiful thing. But when, but for a while ago, we were talking about self-awareness or like, and what I really wanted to ask you is how do you cultivate and develop self-awareness? Because I know you did it with questions. So that's other people asking questions to you. But I feel like I feel like I'm a self-aware person, but I don't know how to help teach people self-awareness because I feel like that's a skill that takes a lot of inner reflection and deep thought. Yeah, I think I think the art to being self-aware is being is learning how to be kind of honest with yourself and starting to figure out like, okay, what am I good at? Not what am I pretending to be good at or not what am I a lot of, especially when you're your age, because um, I remember thinking, okay, in the next 10 years, I got to get really, really good at like these five or six things so then I can enjoy the life that I want. Mm. And the minute I stopped thinking, well, in the next 10 years, I got to gain these skills. The minute I started going, what am I already really good at? And how can I leverage that to make the next 10 years awesome and epic, not just about getting good at something? And that was when I really looked at like, okay. I'm good at social work. I'm good at problem solving. I'm good at speaking to young people. Um, I'm good at creating communities and, and inspiring people inside of those communities. And it was like, I just took what I was good at and started doing those things. And I think self-awareness really boils down to a couple of things. I think it's recognizing the, the natural skill set you already have and the things that give you energy um, and really leveraging what gives you energy and taking that and, and trying to cultivate it. And then I think being honest with yourself and not lying to yourself about what you wish you could do. So many people are trying to build a dream in their head of what they wish they were good at, but they're terrible at it. I, I talk to kids all the time that are like, I want to be a doctor. I'm like sick. Like you must love school and love science and love biology. And they're like, I hate school. I hate science. I'm like, then why are you, why do you want to be a doctor? Oh, you want the paycheck. And you think that's what's going to make you happy. You're going to be miserable at what you love. So you're not, you're clearly not self-aware. And so, or you talk to kids all the time. They're like, I'm not going to college. They're like, I'm not going to college. They're like, I know exactly what I want to do. I want to do this. And I'm going to get started when I get done with college. And I'm like, you're super self-aware. Like, you know, like what you love and you're ready to run with it. But I tell people like the honesty you can have within yourself when you stop lying to yourself, like that's when self-awareness starts. And there are a lot of young people who are trying to pretend their way to skills. And when you're 22, 23, and there's no more tests left to take, and there's no more classes left to go to and there's no more teachers left to try to you know help you get where you're going and it's really on you that's when you realize oh shit, I, I lied to myself for the last six years about what i wanted to be good at and you honestly have to like be super i don't know be super honest with yourself that's where self-awareness starts but ask yourself tough questions and be willing to reflect on on why you do things too you know like why why does this matter to me? Why do I care so much? Is it because my parents told me I had to? Is it because my friends do it? Is it because I'm insecure about this part in my life and this makes me feel better about me? But I think asking yourself tough questions is where it starts. 
And that's why I think you probably connected to those questions in the book is it was me asking you tough questions about you. And so, and, but honestly, and it was kind of how we wrote it, um, which I get a lot of credit for this book, but my best friend growing up and the guy who wrote the chapter about, remember the guy about Scoop, the dude who lived across the street from me that I used to listen to hip hop in his basement. And it was like, yeah, chapter yeah. one. Yeah. So he actually, he ghost wrote the book. And so he was the guy who the book was about. Um, and so that chapter was about, and so we wrote every chapter, all the questions at the end, you're actually asking yourself those questions. It's not me saying, what do you, when you read it, you're reading, what do I, and the end of it, you're actually, we wrote it in a way. So you're asking yourself the question and it's not me asking it to you in the way that it reads. And so that's why those chat, I think that's why those questions hit so hard is because we wrote it in a way where you were sort of asking yourself the tough question. So then you were forced to answer yourself, not me, you know? And so that's why I think it was, I think there's been such a response to those chapters um, or those questions at the end of the chapters. Yeah. And it's such a smart decision, the way you wrote it and the way you put that in there, because you're right. It, it, when you ask yourself those things, and again, I like your, I really do like your perspective on um, being self-work. I never thought of it like that. You know, ask yourself why you do the things you do and then being honest with yourself because you're totally right. I don't think a lot of people are honest with themselves or like, or they're not honest with themselves. They don't know or they right. don't understand. Like when you said like your example of the kid who's a doctor, I want to be a doctor. And then you have to divisively figure out, oh, you just want the paycheck. You don't like these things. And they go, oh, wait, I didn't realize I didn't like all these things. Totally. I think the more knowledge you obtain and the more the more you can see the world and experience it, the more you can understand more about yourself. Yeah. And that's really, I mean, we're all just chasing happiness at the end of it, right? Like if helping people makes you happy, sweet, go do it. You know, if, if, if being around your family makes you happy, then sweet, figure out a way to do that more. But like, I think we're all just kind of chasing happiness at the end of it. And like, that really truly is part of it for me is like the more self-aware you are, the more you live in the energy, like the more you wake up every day and you're like hyped to get to go do what you do. You know, like that's what I, I only surround myself with people who wake up and they're like stoked on what they do every day. You know, like they're not like, I don't have a ton of people in my circle who like wake up and are like, Oh my God. Like I don't, I couldn't tell you the I don't really celebrate. My friends don't have job changes. My friends don't like, they're not trying to get, you know, the next bigger house. Like my friends wake up and they're like, how can I build something cool? How can I create something epic? Like what's my next project? Like my circle is just a bunch of creative people in a million different industries. I have a friend who has an app for roofing companies and contractors called company cam. And he helps contractors like organize their photos better. Is that something that I would wake up every day and be stoked on? I wouldn't even know the first thing about it. He like loves it. And he <laughs> geeks over the, the technology and he thinks it's awesome, which is sick. And like, for me, I just, yeah, I think it's, it's so crucial to surround yourself with people who, who are building things um, and, and trying to make amazing things and create cool stuff and have a, a purpose and a, and a, I don't know, an energy to them. I think it's so important to surround yourself with people who are like that because it, it fuels you and it makes you a better person too. Oh yeah. Like, especially like in this classroom, I've been starting to meet kids who just know, like they really know what they want to do and they really want to build something. And it's on the weekends, instead of going home and watching YouTube videos, well, they are watching YouTube videos. They're watching like things about, you know, science, technology, how they can build themselves, how they can improve themselves in their work. And it's such a good mentality because not only does it uplift you and you go, oh my gosh, this feels great to be around you and you're going to be so cool. It compels you to do these things too. Because now oh. I found myself like going, and it's, it's a little bit of a guilt thing, but going like, oh, they're, they're working hard. I should work hard too. That's no, that's the point. That's the thing. I have a rule. I like have a rule for myself where it's like, 
I want to be the hardest working person in my friend circle. Like I want all of my friends to be like, damn, like no one outworks Mike. Like I want that, you know? And I think that's so important. And so for me, it's really crucial. I want my friends to want to outwork me and I want to outwork my friends, you know, and it's fun for us to be able to like push each other, but that's what friends do. That's what adding to each other's life is all about. Oh yeah. And I don't feel like it's, it's a, it's a lightly competitive thing, but it's never super competitive because once competition builds and you're not helping anyone. And we celebrate each other's and like, I, I don't even know how you would track it, right? Like he works a ton of hours on his, his roofing app company and I'm working a ton of hours to start a nonprofit. You can't even, they're apples to oranges and what they are. But the fact that like we're inspired by how hard you're like, I'm inspired by how hard my friends work, you know? And then I'm, I'm right there by, to celebrate them when they do something amazing. You know, when he goes public and they make tens of millions of dollars, you better believe I'm going to be right there beside him. Just like so stoked for him and for his success. But like, that's what friends do. Like you celebrate each other's successes and you sit with each other in the hard stuff and you listen to each other when they're frustrated. Like that's what building a circle is all about. And so part, part of the successfulness that a lot of people have is they surrounded themselves with awesome people and they were able to push each other to get there. And that's some of the best advice I can give to a young person is create an amazing circle around you of people who are, they're not distracted. They're not selfish. They're not, you know, jealous, but they're really inspired to push you to do better. And you should be inspired to push them to do better as well. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't know how often you can find that in kids. Cause I mean, I have this rare opportunity and some other kids might have the rare opportunity in their own schools, but that's why I really like looking to people like, that are that are actually doing something out of high school, out of college, like people like you, people like you know Simon Sinek, people like uh, JT McCormick, Navi and Jane. They're doing things and they're loving it, and that's in a way how I surround it. They're yeah. they're not they're friends, but they're also mentors in in that own sense, and that's how I build my character. And that's how I build and try to help other people's character as well. That's awesome. That's really awesome. You're on the right path, dude. Thank you, thank you. And actually, um, where can people find you? Yeah. So if you want to check out my stuff, um, just go to Mike Smith live. It's Mike Smith live on Instagram, Mike Smith live on Facebook, same thing on Twitter, um, my website, all that stuff. But yeah, I'm pretty easy to Google. I've got the third most common name in America. So you got to sift through, you got to sift through a lot of us cause we're kind of everywhere, but, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty simple to find, but uh, it's like, I'll tell you like, you know, I'll say to anyone listening, like I tell everyone, I'm not, um, not interested in followers though. I'm interested in friends and family. So if you click that follow button, you're a part of my community and, my friend base and that's what that means and so hopefully i'll be on a stage near whoever listens to this soon or you can check out my book which i really appreciate that you read it and it meant a lot to you but my book's just called legacy versus likes and you can find it on amazon or you can get it um in the all the links in my profiles i guess yeah and thank you so and you know again once again thank you so much for being on my podcast it honestly means the world to me i wanted to spread your message as much as possible because it it resonates with me you know, deeply, and I I just found it I find it very fascinating the way you function and the and what you're doing in the world. I appreciate it a ton, and I can't wait to see what you build next. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you like what we're doing, please help us grow by sharing our content. And if you have any recommendation for future guests, please email me at agwetrick at gmail.com.